Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? All right. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin Garza. I'm one of the ministers here at the Tri-Valley Church of Christ, and um, grateful I get to be here with you guys this morning to uh, praise God, sing uh, songs of praise to Him, to dive into His Word. We're going to continue our series. I don't know if you guys were here last week, but we... uh, started a series called Awe and Intimacy, and we got slides this week, so that's pretty exciting. Um, But we're taking a look at prayer uh, in the hope that we could deepen our relationship with God through this amazing avenue that He gave us to communicate and to converse with Him. Um, I want to just reference a book that I've been reading and uh, has guided a lot of my thoughts. It's this book here uh, by Tim Keller. It's called Prayer, pretty simple, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. It's a great book. I've enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, it's helped me kind of collect my thoughts and get them into, you know, words that I could share. Um, So uh, that's a book I definitely encourage you guys to check out. If you'd like to uh, know more about that, come find me. Last week, um, the heart of our message, the title of our, our, our lesson was Desiring God, and really the underlying theme for that message was, do we really desire to know Him better? And then if so, that that should reflect in the time and the intention and the heart that we put into our prayer lives. And so that was kind of the, uh, the focus of last week's message. And over this past week, um, I, I asked us to uh, spend some time in Psalm 84. I hope that we all made some time to do that and that you were blessed by that time uh, in that passage and praying through that passage. Uh, thank you so much, Rod, for sharing that with us this morning. Um, it was a blessing for me. I got to uh, have a lot of people email me their prayers and to read those, and uh, very encouraging. There's a whole bunch posted on the prayer wall, so if you haven't gotten to hear other people's prayers through Psalm 84, I encourage you to stop by there and uh, to read that. And um, if you guys have a prayer that you'd like to share, I also encourage you to uh, post that up there. Um, you know, something that I absolutely recognize is that we could come to this place, we could, we could hear a message like last week, and we could go, yeah, you know, I, I, I recognize, I have a desire in my heart. I want to know God more intimately. I want to deepen my prayer lives. Um, we might even have a healthy perspective on the necessity of prayer. I don't know about you guys, but there is always this mindset that I'm not going to make it. Without prayer, I am not going to make it. And we could have that in our hearts, but still be left with a weak understanding of what prayer actually is and how that shapes how we approach God in prayer and then also what we ask for as we approach Him in prayer. So the title of our lesson today is An Understanding Mind, and I hope to unpack this a little bit more uh, and answer some of those questions, just gain some deeper insight, and uh, continue to transform us as we learn to encounter God in prayer. Um, We're going to look at a passage today in 1 Kings chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can pull those out. I will have some slides here on the screen, um, but you guys can open your way up to 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, This is an awesome passage. Uh, I've spent time in this all week long, and I've just had so much fun um, hearing about Solomon's encounter with God, Um, and so uh, it's just filled with a ton of depth, and I hope that uh, we can enjoy this together this morning. So before we dive in, let's, let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, Father, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you so much for your word, for the Bible. 
that we could open it up and we could hear from you directly. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning you would give us hearing hearts to understand, to comprehend what it is that you're saying to us, and that you would help us, God, to not just to hear these words, but then to go live them. Lord, I just pray for all that you're doing in this congregation and through us, and I pray that you use me this morning to let your Holy Spirit speak. And so we thank you, God, and most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. So 1 Kings chapter 3, um, just to set this up for us, uh, there's a couple things to note. So uh, Solomon was just anointed king uh, in the first chapter of 1 Kings, so a couple chapters before. Um, In chapter 2, King David has now died, uh, and Solomon's reign has basically officially been established. And so we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 3, verse 3, and uh, again, we'll have some slides here. So 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Solomon is a a pretty interesting character in the Bible. Um, There's a lot that we can learn from him, uh, primarily what not to do, especially when it's uh, with regards to our faith. Um, Some of the key things that he is known for, he is known for being David's son, Um, He was known for building the temple to be a house for God where they would keep the Ark of the Covenant. He was known for having great wisdom, and uh, as we'll discuss in our passage today. He was also known for being a man of great excess, whether we're talking about his wealth or his palace or uh, his numerous wives and concubines. Um, He would also come to be known as a man who practiced idolatry and worship of foreign gods, and eventually, as it will say in chapter 11, out of his love for many foreign women, 
and by their influence on him toward their different beliefs, he would end up turning his heart from being true to the Lord. And we can see a glimpse of all these things in our passage today. Um, So just right off the bat, we'll just dive in here. Um, It starts off, the author starts off by saying, Solomon loved the Lord. And it's clear that the writer wants us to understand Solomon's relationship with God, that this is something, you know, Solomon loved the Lord. It even says he walked in the statutes of David, his father. But then we get this little piece of insight here that um, it it's almost comes as an afterthought. And he says, only he, offered, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And because it's kind of all in the same verse, it's, it's, it, it's almost like we can miss that point. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. But this is important for us to understand this. Um, so if you don't know what the high places are, essentially the high places, these come from pagan backgrounds and beliefs. And these were essentially publicly accessible worship sites where uh, people would gather and they would worship the, the many gods and the multitude of gods. And um, this was where they would make their sacrifices and their offerings. And there was this belief that there were these specific high places that you had to go up on hills and on, on mountains that you could get close to the gods so that your prayers and your worship and your offerings could be heard and accepted. Some cultures even have a term that, that was used, uh, the thin places. The, the Celts used this term, the thin places, that there was this belief that in most cases, the gods were distant from us, that there was this thick barrier between us and the gods, but that you could go to these certain spots where the barrier was thin and you could have direct access and, and closeness to the gods. And so as we read this in, in this context, it almost seems like the way it's worded, it's like something pretty small. You know, it says Solomon loved the Lord, but there's this small little thing that he did. And in fact, uh, Solomon's not the only one doing this. In verse 2 of, of this same chapter, it says the people were sacrificing at the high place. This is talking about the Israelites, that this is what everyone else was doing as well. And I was thinking about my own life and um, sin and how sin seems to show up in this way. It's, it's almost subtle at times where I love the Lord. Uh, we've sang songs this morning about His grace and His mercy, and, and that is so true and so real for me. And I love the Lord, but I can almost use that sometimes to excuse these small little things that, that seem insignificant. They seem small in comparison to the, the love that I have for the Lord. But then sure enough, as as many of us could attest to, pretty soon that seemingly small sin, it grows. And it just spreads like a wildfire and it it leaves a trail of destruction behind it. And Solomon and all the Israelites would have known. This isn't just something little here. They would have known and been familiar with what God had said through Moses in Deuteronomy 12. And he says here, You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn the ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. It sounds pretty clear to me that this was something that Solomon should not have been doing, that the Israelites should not have been doing. You know, as 21st century Christians, we understand that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that the veil was torn 
And we have direct access to God through Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit. But sometimes I feel like we can almost inadvertently create our own high place with how we treat our Sunday morning gatherings and our worship at the church building. That somehow this place is our high place and that what happens in here is somehow more sacred than what happens elsewhere. And yes, for the Jews, God did tell them that he would put his name in the temple and that this would be a holy place where his eyes and his heart would dwell forever. But later in the story, in John chapter 4, when Jesus is asked by the woman at the well about whether or not the people were supposed to worship on Mount Gerizim or at the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus says, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, but that what the Father really was seeking were true worshipers who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Because of Jesus, God has placed His Spirit to live in us and to dwell in us. And therefore, God's people everywhere are the temple where God has placed His name, where He dwells. So it's not about where we pray. We're getting an understanding here about uh, some concepts about our prayer lives and about our worship. It's not about where we pray or worship. It's about the heart behind how we pray and worship. And our passage continues uh, in verse uh, 4, kind of moving on here. It says um, that Solomon went to Gibeon, for that was the great high place. And so it's not just enough to go to the high place. Now Solomon's going to the great high place. And that was where Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. But here's what's really amazing about this passage. That in the midst of Solomon's disobedience, I mean, we just saw what Moses had said in Deuteronomy 12. It sounds pretty clear to me that Solomon should not have been doing this. So it's safe to call this sin. And that it was in that place that the Lord appeared to Solomon. In verse 5, it says clearly, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. And not only does God appear to Solomon, but then he asks him what has to be the coolest thing that God could ever say, and probably something you and I wish God would ask us, right? Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And he, he asks this of Solomon. And then Solomon responds in verse 6, and he says that God showed great and steadfast love to his father David because he walked before you in faithfulness and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. I love the way Solomon starts this response, that God showed this faithfulness and, and uh, his great and steadfast love to his father David. He starts there. But it's interesting that Solomon adds this word because because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. Over the last couple months, we, we've been studying the life of David, and we've, we've heard messages about him. And, you know, there are definitely some great things about David, but it's hard to say that David was always faithful to God, or that all of David's actions were righteous. And so if I'm Solomon, and I'm trying to build a case for why God should bless my reign, and show this continued great and steadfast love. I probably would not say because he was righteous, as I described David. But there is this beautiful expression in here that I think gives us some, some deeper insight. That it says, he walked in uprightness of heart toward you. And I think that starts to get to a deeper place of that understanding where, where God says that while we look at the exterior, God sees the heart. And that... David had this uprightness of heart toward God in everything that he does. And so, just looking at these few verses, what does this tell us about God? 
Well, it does not tell us that God is indifferent about sin. That would contradict everything else in His Word and everything else that He has said. It does not say that God is indifferent about sin, but it does tell us that God is faithful even when we are not. Solomon's encounter with God in this passage was based on God's faithfulness and not on Solomon's. And I, I think Solomon knows that, and so as he begins this answer, that's basically what he says, reminding God of the faithful love and the covenant that he made with his father. And then we see Solomon's great request, right? And it stems first from a place of humility before God. He says, I am but a child, and I don't know how to go out or come in, which is basically just a fancy way of saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where, you know, where I'm going. And he says, your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people. You know, I remember uh, a few years ago when I first officially became you know, a minister for, uh, for the church and, and feeling a lot like this, praying a prayer that actually sounded like this. God, I'm just a baby in Christ and I don't know what I'm doing. You've set me in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people. And you know, sometimes I still feel like that. As a minister, I feel like that. As a parent, I feel like that. As a husband, sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I think there's people here who can relate to that. Just over the last couple weeks, I've had some, some deep conversations with people just experiencing a whole lot of struggle. And there's this place where we're just hands up. We're just, God, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what I'm doing here. We need your wisdom. And this is the feeling, I, I believe this is the feeling of humbling ourselves before God, recognizing that alone we cannot do anything, that is only by the wisdom that comes from God that we could ever hope to accomplish the mission or take on the battles that he has set before us. And I, that should drive us to our knees in prayer in every area of our life that we need God. We need God's wisdom. We need that necessity of connection following Jesus and walking in his ways. Amen. And I want to drive home this point again. Why was Solomon placed on the throne and chosen to lead God's people? Was it because he was so mature and so qualified or that he was living so righteously? That's not what we see in this passage. No, that's not the answer. It was because of God's faithfulness to the promise that he made to David, even though David was not always faithful, even though, as we can see, Solomon was not always faithful. And so this should be key in our own prayer lives, that the only reason we are given this gift to speak to God, to encounter God, is because of His faithfulness, not our own. That should humble us in our prayer. That should change us to be overwhelmed, to be in awe by His invitation to boldly approach His throne. And so Solomon's request is that God would give him an understanding mind. If you have the NIV translation, it says a, a discerning heart. Um, some other translations say an understanding heart. Um, I was looking up some things. I was consulting some commentaries, and, and some people say that uh, maybe a more uh, accurate literal definition of the Hebrew would be a hearing heart. But we're getting to the idea of what Solomon is asking for, what he's saying here, which is, God, I want to be able to hear you. I want to be able to understand you. I want to be able to seek your wisdom and then understand clearly what I'm supposed to do next and how I'm supposed to lead your people. 
So of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, I don't, I don't know. If God asked me, hey, ask me anything, I, I don't know. If, if wisdom, would that be what I, have, what I had asked for? Of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, the thing that he wanted most was to be able to hear God and understand his wisdom. Today, you and I, we have such easy access to the Bible. I mean, we can get Bible apps, right, that we can have it like on our phone at the one touch. You have any translation you want. We carry it around. I mean, it's, you know, we're carrying probably our phones more often than we're carrying the actual Bible, right? And, and I think, you know, it, it's amazing. We have God's Word with us basically all the time. We have access to it all the time. And sometimes I think that we for, forget just how incredible that is. That when we're reading Scripture, we're not just reading some words out of a book. We're reading God's words. And, you know, when, think about that the next time you read Scripture. You know, I was so blessed to have Rick read our passage this morning and to hear his heart. I know that as he's reading this, it's not just words to him. This is the, the words of God to him. And I, I want us to pause and consider how amazing that is because I think sometimes we miss that. Our struggle today as modern-day Christians is not our access to the Word of God. One, I think it's, do we have a desire to hear from God? And that's something we talked about last week. And two, it's that we're so used to hearing with our ears that we don't know how to hear with our hearts. And since we struggle to hear God, it affects our ability to truly understand His wisdom. And so Solomon asks this, and then we look at verse 10, and it says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Solomon's request for a hearing heart and understanding mind was pleasing to God. I mean, imagine someone comes up to uh, me, like let's say my daughter, right? This would be awesome. Dad, I think you're like the wisest guy ever, and I just, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to understand you. I'm going to sit at your feet and just listen to you. That would be, that'd be pretty amazing. I, take, take notes. Um, but how much more so if she said, you know what, and, and that is actually more important to me than long life or than being rich or even, you know, I have this problem going on with my friends or with some enemies of mine. Like, this is more important to me. I want to hear your wisdom. Like, that, that would be, you know, pretty awesome. And so we can get a glimpse in essentially what Solomon is saying to God and why God is so pleased. It's not just because of what Solomon's asking for, but because what he didn't ask for reveals to God what is most important to Solomon. Hearing God and understanding his wisdom. And this is what's so incredible, right, as God does so often, that he gives abundantly and freely. Not only does he give Solomon what he asked for, but he gives him the things that he didn't ask for. And he gives him riches and honor, and he says, if you walk in my ways, you'll have long life, right? And then at the end of our passage, it says, Solomon woke up from this dream, and he went to Jerusalem. He stood before the Ark of the Covenant, and he offered up his burnt offerings and his sacrifices to God. I was thinking this week about my own relationship with the Lord and my own um, relationship with prayer and, and these conversations that I have. You know, and, and just Solomon here, um, you know, it's, I read this and I ask this question, did Solomon deserve all of these incredible blessings from God? And I, I don't, who am I to say, right? I, I'm grateful that um, we have a just and a righteous God a graceful God, 
Um, so who am I to say, did Solomon deserve this or not? But, but I do think it's pretty amazing that we see this guy here who is worshiping in a way that God clearly told him not to. And he has God appear to him and ask him, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And then because his answer pleased God, he's given not only the things he asked for, but he's given a whole bunch more. And so as we consider this story today, as we process some of these things in our own lives, our own understanding of prayer, um, I think there's some key takeaways for us. And, you know, some of this, as we walk through these verses, um, I, I've said or I, I've kind of uh, hit on a little bit, but I really want to drive this home. First off, it is only by God's faithfulness. It's only by His grace that we can approach His throne. Like Solomon, we really don't deserve that amazing blessing. That grace was paid for by Jesus Christ when He went to the cross to claim the victory over sin, bridging the chasm between us and God and allowing us to, to know Him and to encounter Him in prayer. And, you know, I hear that, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I get chills, right? This should create in us a sense of awe and amazement. It should humble us in our prayer lives and as we pray for others. We should be overwhelmed by this truth. It should stir something inside of us. You know, we're invited into eternal kingdom living with God right now. I was listening to a song this week. I posted it on our Facebook page. Some of you heard it. Um, but it's, uh, it's by a band, Ren Collective. And just these words, I, I'm, I'm hearing these words, By grace alone, somehow I stand where even angels fear to tread, invited by redeeming love before the throne of God above. You hold me close with nail-scarred hands into your everlasting arms. If we can hear that, if we can hear the gospel preached and it doesn't create some kind of emotional response in us, and I, I, just, pray, I, I just pray right now that God would, would do a heart check, that he would have the gospel take hold of us in a way that we don't just read it or comprehend it or, or hear these words, but that it, it grips our hearts, it penetrates our hearts. It, it should change us. This is, this is amazing truth, that we get to boldly approach his throne. I, I don't think we can take that lightly. I don't think that we can say that enough. Secondly, from this passage is that if we are really asking God for hearing hearts and understanding minds, we're, we're asking for his wisdom then we need to be immersed in his word. You know, we're told that all scripture is God-breathed, and so we don't just have ink on a page, we have the breath of God. We should be in awe about that. That should drive us to want to be immersed in what he has to say. I, I think it's a good practice for us that before we read scripture, that we, we ask God, give us an understanding mind. Let us, let us hear you, God. And, and as we pray through Scripture, as we deepen that practice of praying through Scripture, this, it becomes to come uh, very natural. It just starts to happen where as I'm reading Scripture, I'm praying this, God, let me hear you. Let me understand what it is that you're saying to me. And we can begin to hear God's word in a new way and pray in a new way. I was thinking about um, Isaiah. Wes quoted Isaiah 53 this morning. In Isaiah 55, uh, this awesome passage, right after God gets done saying, uh, my, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He says this in Isaiah. He says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, 
so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word does not come back empty or void. Tim Keller writes, God acts through his words. The word is alive and active, and therefore the way to have God dynamically active in our lives is through the Bible. To understand the scripture is not simply to get information about God. If attended to with trust and faith, the Bible is the way to actually hear God speaking and also to meet God himself. Lastly in this passage is that, um, and I don't think we can say this enough, that because of Jesus, God sent his Holy Spirit to live in us as his holy temples. And so wherever we go, he goes. We don't have high places, we don't need high places, and in fact, uh, God can use us as his high places. There are a lot of people who do not know the Lord, and we can be that source of, of prayer and a place where they can learn about knowing God and the true and living God. And, and there's times where we don't really know what to say. Again, I got some, some pretty tough um, questions asked of me over the last couple weeks and just some situations that I sat there like, I have no idea what to do here. There's times that we don't know what to say. There's times we don't know what to pray. And the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? Paul writes this in Romans 8. He says, most of the time we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And so as we learn to let the Spirit lead our prayers, we can feel confident that we will be asking according to the pleasure and the will of God. So last week I asked us to engage in Psalm 84 and to just dwell in it, reflect on it, and then to write a prayer. So this week um, I'm going to ask us to um, do the same thing through Proverbs 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. This is the passage that we heard read earlier in our, in our worship. And I'm asking and encouraging us to spend some time immersed in this passage. My, my hope is that you would spend at least a few days just listening. Just listening for God, just reading this passage, and then to write a prayer in response to God. Rod gave us an example of that in his own practice. And if anyone has questions about this, um, don't hesitate to come talk to me or talk to Rod or, or many in the Thursday night class who have engaged this practice for a while um, praying through scripture is a, is a powerful thing, um, but you may be sitting here like, I don't really know where to start. I don't know quite how to do that. Please come ask, uh, and I hope that your time this week in Proverbs 2, uh, verses 1 through 10 will be a blessing for you. So again, we have the prayer wall out there. I would love to see your prayers posted. Um, more importantly, I, just, I would love for you to share them with me, to, to read them with me, um, to pray together. So uh, Please make it a point to do that this week. Um, as we mentioned today, um, uh, earlier today, this is our graduation Sunday. And so this is where we recognize our, uh, our graduating seniors, that we lift them up in prayer as a church family. And uh, we have two students graduating this year, um, Hank Richardson and Abigail Munzar. Um, Hank's the only one here today, so he's kind of our, our lone soldier. 
Um, and really, for most of the year, he's kind of been our, our, our main senior who's kind of attended regularly and, and been here. Uh, he's also been one of our only male students in the youth group. And so uh, Hank has really demonstrated a whole lot of wisdom and patience and perseverance through our youth group, and I've, I've really appreciated having him. We're going to bring him up here in just a, just a minute or two. But um, I do want to um, just say a few words. I think there's a lot of uh, lessons from our passage today um, that we can consider with regards to this next step in their journey. So Hank, um, you're going to be heading out into an even bigger world. Um, You're going to have more people. You're going to have more influences. You're going to have more decisions to make. Sometimes it's going to uh, be confusing. Um, sometimes you're going to probably relate to Solomon, feeling like this little child is like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do here. I don't know which way I'm going. Um, and, and one thing I know about Hank, I know this about Abigail as well, is that they love the Lord. Um, I've, I've been very blessed to get to know them over the last several years. And uh, just to see that grow in them, we were blessed recently to see Hank um, take on Christ in baptism and to, to give his life to him. Um, but just like Solomon, we can love the Lord. We're going to be faced with choices and decisions and some things that might seem pretty small. They might seem like little sins that that just aren't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I, I just want us to really reflect on just like we can see with Solomon's life. And, and I can, I can testify to that as well, that these, these small sins, they grow and they can end up taking over and they can create a whole lot of mess. And so as a church, um, as we pray to God for Hank and Abigail, I hope that uh, we will ask him, just like David asked for Solomon, to, for God to continue to show his amazing faithfulness and steadfast love to lead them in his ways, establishing his eternal covenant promises with them. And for, for Hank and for Abigail, I hope that as you embrace a faith that is your own, Um, that you would always pray for and seek after God's wisdom, that you would develop a hearing heart, an understanding mind, and to learn to love and dwell in the Word of God. You know, um, I was able to go to Hank's graduation on Friday, and there was uh, one of the guys, one of the teachers doing a speech, and he was using uh, lyrics from songs as like part of his kind of wisdom. It it was cool. He did a good job. But one of the things he did at the end was, and I'm not going to do it, but he sang, uh, and he was, I don't know, it was like a One Direction song or something like that. But he sang like a line and then pointed to the students, and they, they were to like complete the line and join in in the chorus. And his point to it was that um, one voice can, can bond together and spur on a whole chorus of voices. And, and so he was kind of encouraging the students to be that voice and not be afraid to be that voice that could spur on. And I think that's great advice. I think that's good insight. But even more so, as we look at this passage today, I think, I think he's right. There is one voice who can bind us together, and that's God. And so I pray that you would learn to listen for his voice in his word. And there's many in this room that God has given um, great wisdom to, uh, sometimes through hard, hard knocks. Um, and, and there's people who have wisdom to share. And so if that's one of you in here today, I pray that you would um, consider that, and not just with our recent graduates, but um, just as disciple makers for Christ, that God gives us wisdom to share. He gives us uh, experiences to, to help connect with people and lead people towards him. 
And I pray that we would look for those opportunities, and especially with our youth. And for Hank and for Abigail and, and really all of our, our high school students, um, I pray that, that you would learn to seek out wisdom from those who are eager to share it, to come sit at their feet, to, to listen to some of the lessons and the stories and, and to, to take note of that. And lastly, I pray that as you seek after God's will and wisdom above all else in your lives, that God would be pleased and that not only would he grant to you that wisdom, but that he would grant to you a long life, a happy life, all the abundance that he provides. God is amazing. And, uh, and I, I think this passage really highlights some things for, for all of us today, including our graduates.